you must be born again. When you hear the phrase, born again Christian, what are the kind of things that come to your mind? Now, uh, it might be that you would think of, oh, those are those people who are, are really kind of uh, religious fanatics and, and maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable. Or you might hear that phrase and say, well, yeah, of course, I am born again. I mean, what else could you be if you're a follower of Jesus? Uh, in my mind, for a long time, what I thought of as a born-again Christian was someone who really had lived out in the world and had a, a long uh, uh, criminal record and was heavily into drugs and, and was violent and, and had this just incredible past. And then they had suddenly met Jesus and had this dramatic conversion. And all of a sudden, all of that went away. And they were these uh, these wonderful, uh, godly people. And it was just this uh, incredibly uh, dramatic transform transformation that happens in an instant. Uh, another thought that comes to mind when I hear born again is actually an experience that I had. Uh, where I was, uh, I wasn't a Christian yet, but I was working for some Christians and uh, people who identified as born again Christians, and they would uh, witness to me and witness to me. Anyways, I was going up to uh, to Kitchener, and uh, I really did not want to be. Uh, I didn't have a car, and I was going to get a ride. And my boss had offered to give me a ride. Uh, but I really didn't want the ride to Kitchener to be all about being witness to about Jesus. So I was at Brock University at the time, and I knew that one of the guys in my class uh, was also from Kitchener. And so uh, I asked him if I could get a ride from him instead, and so that worked out. And so uh, we're, we're driving up to Kitchener, and I, I said to him, because I'm, you know, I'm trying to make conversation, I don't really know the guy that well, I said, I'm really glad that you're giving me this ride because uh, I almost had to get a ride from my boss, and, and he's one of those born-again Christians. And uh, the guy looks at me and says, I'm a born-again Christian. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, I also think uh, of an experience I had uh, growing up. The, the church that I attended growing up, it was a church here in St. Catharines, and it was one of the last Sundays that I was there, uh, I remember being there, and the sermon was the minister preaching against being born again. And his whole point was about why he would never want to be born again. Now, I didn't leave the church because of that, but that was one of the, the last Sundays there. And so I, I ended up moving on, and I ended up becoming a pastor. And then one Sunday, I had a, a Sunday off, and my mother was still attending that church. And so I went to visit her. And I sat in the service. They had a brand new pastor, a much younger pastor. And I thought, okay, this will be good. And nice to have some fresh blood. And that Sunday, what did he preach on? He preached against being born again. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, what is going on here? They're really against this. So obviously, there are some people who have very positive ideas of what it means to be a born-again Christian, and some people who have very negative ideas. But it doesn't really matter what our personal opinion is. What matters is what the scriptures have to say. And so that's what we're going to take a look at. And so the, this teaching on being born again doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in an actual conversation between two real people. And this is a conversation between Jesus 
and a man named Nicodemus. Now, uh, we often think of Jesus as spending time with the sinners, right? The, the prostitutes and tax collectors. But he liked religious people too. And so uh, he was known to have some friendships and some relationships with some of the people who were religious. And he ended up having this conversation with Nicodemus. And he was a, a religious Jew. He was one of the Pharisees. So he would have been trained to study what we call the Old Testament. And for someone like Nicodemus to meet with Jesus, you would expect that that conversation would go a certain way. Because normally when rabbis got together, and you can read this, there's all kinds of rabbinical writings uh, where you have these rabbis come together, and what they do is they just spend hours going over different interpretations of a particular passage of the Bible. They'll just go through and say, I say it means this, and, and they'll say, no, I say it means this, and they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's exactly what you would expect in this conversation. But that is not what happens. So Nicodemus comes. He comes at night, and people make a big deal about it that he comes at night because uh, he doesn't necessarily want any of his Pharisee friends to uh, to see this. And some people are critical, but I would say, you know what? If you're going to come to Jesus, come to Jesus whenever you come to Jesus. It doesn't really matter. So he goes there and he starts and saying, you know, well, you know, Jesus, we know you're this great teacher. And I'm sure he's expecting now that rabbinic uh, debate to happen. That They're going to take a look at a passage of the Bible and they're going to uh, dig it, dig at it and, and, and try to bring it apart. But instead... Jesus comes out with this strange saying, uh, you must be born again if you are to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, where did that come from? That, that There was nothing ahead of that that would give any indication that that is what Jesus was going to say. But he chose to say something that was outside of Nicodemus's comfort zone. Uh, he didn't get the debate that he was expecting. Instead, he's told that he must be born again. And obviously, he doesn't understand what that means. None of us would understand that if we just heard that for the first time, that you must be born again. What does that mean? And, and we know that he doesn't understand because he, he says, like, how can that be? Like, you can't go back inside your mother uh, after you become an adult and then become uh, be reborn. It just doesn't make sense. What are you talking about, Jesus? That just is, is meaningless. And Jesus goes on to explain what he means by being born again. So we need to be born, obviously, the, the natural way that, that all of us are born. But there is a new birth that is needed, and it is a birth of the Spirit. And that what Jesus is looking for is not for people to just identify with him religiously, that if they had a survey and they had to mark down what religion they belonged to, that they would say, okay, I, I choose Christianity. He was looking for something else. Uh, people who are actually transformed by the Holy Spirit. That there's some kind of work that is done. In the same way as uh, we enter into a new stage of life when we are born, when we emerge out of our mothers, uh, that we begin a new stage of life as we are born of the Spirit. Now, he, he ends this conversation with this kind of strange uh, comparison between the Holy Spirit and the wind blowing. And the reason for that is that in both Hebrew and in Greek, the word for wind and the word for spirit are exactly the same thing. It's rock in Hebrew and uh, pneuma in, in Greek. 
And so what he's doing is a play on words. And by the way, a play on words is technically a pun, okay? And when you are giving me a hard time about giving, uh, saying puns, I just want you to be aware that long before I did it, Jesus was doing it. And so if you have a problem with me, you have a problem with Jesus. I'm just saying that, okay? No pressure at all. But he wants to emphasize that the way the Holy Spirit Just as we don't understand exactly how the wind's going, we're not sure where it is, he can't see it, but then you can hear it, and then you can feel his presence. The wind makes itself known even though you can't see it. Uh, The Holy Spirit does the same thing as someone experiences new birth. And so we find that Jesus is saying you must be born again. So whether we like the phrase born again Christian or not, Jesus says we must be born again. But we still have to wrestle with what does that look like today? What does that mean? Uh, I remember many years ago as I was just starting out in ministry, I was a youth pastor at a church, and uh, we had a combined uh, Pentecostal and Salvation Army youth group. And we were doing a uh, a fundraiser. It was a, uh, a car wash, and we were doing it at the uh, Salvation Army church. And so we're doing this, we're, we're doing all our fundraising, and uh, a couple of people came up to me, and I actually, I thought they were Jehovah's Witnesses at, at first, but they weren't. They were Baptists. Uh, they were fundamentalist Baptists, and uh, they decided they wanted to grill me to see if I really was a Christian. So they, they, they weren't impressed with the fact that I was a pastor, that didn't mean anything. They wanted to know, how did you become a Christian? So I said, well, you know, it was a process. As soon as I said that, they just jumped right in. They said, no, it was not a process. It was a moment. And you need to be able to describe to us the exact moment in which you became born again, or else you are not a Christian. And so uh, I realized that uh, very quickly that they had a, a specific understanding of what this means to be born again. For them, it's about praying a specific prayer at a specific time, And unless you do that, you are not a born-again Christian and therefore are not a Christian. But the fact is, so many people within the church have had different experiences. Uh, For some people, they can think of a time. Maybe it was at camp. Maybe it was in Sunday school or youth group. Uh, Maybe it was as an adult uh, that someone sat down with them and explained the gospel And maybe they prayed a specific prayer at that time. And they can remember that moment in which they called upon Jesus as Lord. For others, there are people who have a very, very close relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet they have grown up in the church. And they have been a part of the church for a long time. And they can't remember a time when specifically they prayed. They knew that they have believed this stuff. Uh, they knew that it was real. It was real enough for them to eventually request baptism, but they can't pinpoint the exact moment of when that happened. Uh, I was reading uh, some writings by uh, one of my favorite uh, um, uh, Bible scholars named N.T. Wright, and he was talking about this, and he compared it to a person who uh, would take their birth certificate and frame it and put it up on the wall. And the reason that they would do that is they want people to see, okay, this is uh, the uh, my birth name, this is the place where I was born, this is the exact date, and they want you to have all of those details. 
But if you didn't have a birth certificate, could someone still come to you and say, well, you know what, I haven't seen your birth certificate, so I'm not quite sure that you were actually born. You know, until I see that birth certificate, I don't really believe that you have been born yet. Uh, no one would say that. They would see, obviously, you know, you, you're there, and so you are born, and yes, the, the birth certificate will give a few more details, but it's not necessarily required. And so there are many people who are born again who can't necessarily pinpoint a specific uh, time or place when that happened. And this is going to sound strange, but I've been reflecting upon this, uh, thinking about teeth. Now, you might think, what does that have to do with being born again? Well, just kind of uh, have some patience with me here as, as you think about it. I want you to imagine that uh, you had uh, teeth that you weren't very happy with. Maybe they were very crooked or something, and uh, money was not an option. You wanted to, uh, to get them fixed. You wanted to have teeth looking in a certain way. Well, there's a couple of things that you could do, right? Uh, you could have all of your teeth removed, and get false teeth. You could get dentures, and you could get them made exactly the way you want. And uh, yes, there'd be some pain to go along with that, but it would happen fairly quickly. Or you could go to an orthodontist. Uh, when I was a teenager, I had uh, uh, braces. They ended up removing a couple of my teeth because I had quite the overbite. They had to remove a couple teeth, and then uh, they put the braces on. And every time I go to the orthodontist, uh, they would uh, turn them and so that my teeth would all be pulled together. And man, was that painful when I, when they could do that. You could just feel them coming together. And it took a long time for that, but eventually they got to the point where uh, we wanted them to be. And so the reason I bring all this up is I want to ask, is God a denturist or is he an orthodontist? Meaning when he makes a change in a person, is it kind of that short-term, instantaneous thing where someone is born again and all of a sudden all the sins of the past are gone and they are completely new and everything has come together? Or is God an orthodontist that he does the long work over years and years, tightening up the teeth painfully as they come slowly into the place where they're supposed to be? And I would say God is both. Because I have seen both of those experiences in people's lives. I have heard the stories of people who have called upon Jesus. They had struggled with alcohol all their life. And they called upon Jesus, and they're instantly delivered from alcohol. They're not, not any interest. There's no withdrawal or anything. They just miraculously are free from it. They, people have been transformed that all the anger that they uh, had beforehand all of it was instantly gone. But I've also heard the stories of people who really have called upon Jesus, desired to know him, and have made him Lord, but the work takes a long time. And slowly and slowly each year, they are getting more and more transformed, but some of the junk from the past is still there. And it, it happens over a long period of time. I kind of like to think of the Christian life as being uh, on a continuum. If you can imagine the line, and I, I, I uh, provided something on the PowerPoint there, if you can uh, think of this continuum with, with one end being uh, far from God and, and the other end being close from God, we might think what's important is where are you on that continuum? Meaning you want to be at any given point 
uh, as close as possible to God. And that seems to make sense. However, there's another way to think about it. What if what's really important is what direction you're going? So imagine that you are starting off, you're at that point where you are the close to God, you have maybe grown up in the church, you've always been a part of different ministries or whatever, but it seems like each day you are getting more selfish, more greedy, you're filled with more gossip, you're, you're, uh, you have less patience for people, you have less desire to be uh, in worship, and you, you're moving slowly and slowly away from God. And what happens if you get another person who maybe has come from a completely unchurched background and knew nothing of this and is starting at that point far from God, but each day they're growing in love. They're growing in love of the Bible. They're growing in love of uh, the people. Uh, They're desiring to make a difference, helping out people who are in need, and slowly they're moving in that direction. What if it's not where we are on the continuum, but which direction? And that is what is important. Uh, The birth, being born again, is not about where you're at. Born again means you're now going in the right direction. Do you remember I told you I went to that church and they were preaching against being born again? You might wonder, why would they do such a thing? And I remember what our minister said. The reason he said that he would never want to be born again is because he wouldn't want to ever have God be done with them, to stop working on them. So he understood the born-again experience as you're born again, and then God says, there, I'm done. I'll move on to the next person now. That's how he understood it. Well, you know what? I have five children, and I know for a fact that the moment that they were born, that that was not the end of the work, okay? Uh, We have now uh, three of our children are teenagers, and the work is getting more and more and more. Uh, We are not done with our children just because they're born. And God is not done with us just because we're born again. We must be born again. You might not like that phrase. You might not go from this place and and identify as a born-again Christian, or you might. You might hear this and think, yeah, that makes complete sense. I am definitely a born-again Christian. Whatever we we think of that particular phrase, the actual experience is what is important. And it's going to look different for everyone. It doesn't have to be with a specific prayer. You don't necessarily have to be able to pick a date or know anything. What you need to know is, is there evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life? It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means, is the Spirit bringing you in the right direction closer to God? That's what it means to be born again. God, we thank you for this conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus, that he brought this provocative idea, the idea of new birth, being born of the Holy Spirit. And Nicodemus was confused by it. And perhaps we've been confused by it too. And yet it seems so simple. You desire people who don't just belong to a religion, but have been experiencing a new birth, a birth by your Spirit. Lord, I pray that wherever we are on our spiritual journey, that we are moving in the right direction, that we are moving closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.